1: Hi, hey there, welcome. This is Nancy, your host of Aging Life Network. And today we are talking about your health and how self-care benefits us in relation to dementia. We are lucky to have certified health coach and behavior change specialist, Nika Lori joining us today. She not only works with adults to help them improve their health, but because of her background with Alzheimer's, I have asked her specifically to join me in discussing our health as it relates to dementia, both in terms of prevention for you, but also for those challenged by caring for a loved one with dementia. And let me add, Nika will not only discuss with me these topics, but she will share some simple changes we can make that will improve your overall health. I'm pretty excited about this show. Thank you for joining us. We have a great show planned and a lot to get to. I wanna start by talking about caregivers. In the United States, more than 43 million Americans are caregivers to a family member. Of that 43 million, you may or may not know that today there are more than 34 million caring for an aging loved one over the age of 50. And for those caring for someone over age 65, One-third have some form of dementia, one-third of the loved ones. Now, there are several variables that impact the stress and health of these family caregivers, but we have seen consistently in reports that caring for someone with dementia can be significantly more stressful than those caring for someone without dementia. Those statistics came, um, the newest statistics are in the 2020 report, Caregiving in the United States, that just came out from AARP's Family Caregiver Group, and in conjunction with the National Alliance for Caregiving, it's a 107-page report, and those of you who um, geek out like I do about information um, would want to see this. I have been spending time with, uh, reading about, researching, and working with caregivers since the mid-90s. I see a lot of caregivers um, in groups on Facebook. I encourage those of you who are caregivers to go to Facebook and simply um, enter, you know, Google search in Facebook, the caregiver term, and join a group if um, that would be helpful. What we know is that these folks are exhausted. There's not a lot of help. Uh, Many of them don't know what help is available and their questions um, really tell me that um, they are desperate for information and assistance of any kind. So I wanna welcome Nika today. Thank you for joining me.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, this is a really important topic. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. So um, can you talk with us a bit about caregiving for those with dementia and the overall impact on their health?
2: Yeah, so just to give you a little background about myself, so I spent nearly a decade working with the Alzheimer's Association in New Mexico, and uh, throughout my time there, I was able to interact with a ton of family caregivers and individuals with dementia, um, whether that be Alzheimer's or other types of dementia as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I really saw throughout that was just the unrelenting amount of stress that not only the individuals with the disease, but especially their family caregivers face on a daily basis. You're looking at, you know, physical signs and mental emotional signs of um, damage to their body from that ongoing stress. And so um, I'd love to get in um, and talk about that a little bit more. Definitely.
1: Well, I think also um, my research years ago, uh, determined that it's not only impactful negatively impactful on health, but um, it can often be the cause of an earlier death uh, for caregivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, stress really does a number on people's health, and it can really shorten the lifetime of an individual, you know, and the stress from caregiving comes in multiple forms. It's not just the, the stress that you feel inside, but it's the damage that you do to your body through the way you eat, your lifestyle habits, um, lack of physical exercise, hygiene, all kinds of different things. So yes, Definitely.
1: Yes. And although we could probably have a whole show and probably will have a whole show about the causes of that stress Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, lack of, or the things that can mitigate the stress, um, things like um, training, um, understanding the disease, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things one can do to mitigate the stress.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some of the some of the simple kind of more basic things, but things that are often overlooked are looking at setting up a schedule or a routine for not just um, yourself, but also the individual with the disease and figuring out how you guys can get into a more smooth routine so that you can incorporate those really important healthy habits. The routine also really helps the individual with the disease feel a little bit more calm Um, have um, a little bit better of an understanding of kind of what's going on or what's to be expected in their daily activities. Mm -hmm. Now they don't always have that full um, capability to still kind of um, prepare for those things, but it helps them feel a bit more comfortable. The more important part of that though is, is really for the caregiver, they know what to expect. It helps mitigate some of those spikes in stressful moments. Um, And it helps them incorporate, again, those lifestyle habits that are really important. Things like um, self-care, like... um caregivers often forget to take care of themselves because they're so focused on their loved ones. So they mm-hmm. forget to, you know, even do things like shower or brush their teeth or brush their hair, or get dressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've we've seen that just with regular individuals right now during this pandemic, people have kind of let those things go. And that really does um, affect you over time. So imagine caregivers who are dealing with a stressful situation for years and years caring for these loved ones they mm-hmm. tend to let those kind of things go so figuring out how to how to schedule in those activities scheduling in exercise scheduling in downtime quiet time if you like to meditate if it's just going outside into nature scheduling in time for those activities um, and then that way you can also plan ahead and get help or ask for help um, mm-hmm. so that you have time to do those other things
1: yeah, I would say uh, we often hear the term respite. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Respite yes. can be can be one hour, mm-hmm. can be um, you know someone coming and sitting at mm-hmm. a time when we know our loved one is. Um, You know, going to be watching their favorite show or taking an afternoon snooze, Mm -hmm. um, or when a bath aide comes in or a nurse is visiting but um, small things like that.
2: Yeah, and there's there's a ton of programs for respite as well outside of just having a caregiver or a family member come in. There's adult daycare programs. There's um, respite reimbursement through some of the Alzheimer's chapters. And I know some of the states offer some respite reimbursement as well. And so there's a lot of different programs that people can utilize in order to take those breaks and, and do some self-care. So
1: people should, call the, um, the state chapter of Alzheimer's and ask about the respite reimbursement voucher.
2: Yeah, there's right. also a 1-800 number through the Alzheimer's Association, which they can call and find out, and that um, the association can um, point them in the right direction for their own state. And then most states also have um, uh, something called the ADRC, or um, which is the Adult Disability Resource Center, or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. other programs Department like Department of
1: Health. Department uh, of Health,
2: Department of Aging, those kind of things, and they always have a 800 number that you can Call and they'll be able to provide a list of those types of resources that are available. And they're actually often underutilized. Um, People don't always know that they're available, and even when they do, they forget to take advantage of it.
1: Well, I think sometimes there are some caregivers who believe that their loved one um, can't be cared for by anyone else because no one can do it as well as they, Mm -hmm. no one knows them as well as they do. But um, how critical is it that they find a way to catch these moments for themselves?
2: I think it's extremely critical, and I think part of that—not um, wanting to let go, or you know, the the need to control the situation—is is a lot of times these caregivers face grief, or they feel guilty for the situation, or they feel like they're not being. The, the best caregiver that they could be, or that they weren't kind to the person before they had dementia. So there's some, you know, historical issues there. And so you see a lot of people struggle with this kind of control issue, trying to protect their loved one. But the reality is, is there are so many highly trained, compassionate, really great people in the healthcare industry that are there to help in these kind of situations. And so it's, it's incredibly important that caregivers take a step back and utilize those resources so that they can care for themselves.
1: Do you have to, does the diagnosis have to be Alzheimer's in order to, Um, access the the resources offered by the Alzheimer's Association
2: no most of the time it's a dementia um, diagnosis not specifically Alzheimer's so dementia is the umbrella term Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. is the most prevalent of of dementias but there are many many different types of dementia Uh, so no most of the time it is just a, a dementia diagnosis
1: and I imagine most chapters are similar to chapters I've been to where they offer many support groups.
2: Yes. Oftentimes mm-hmm.
1: there's a, some kind of um, group or help with your loved one. If you're not able to get respite in the home, you can bring your loved one with you who mm-hmm. can also go to a group. Um, in my Younger days when I was studying social work, I ran an early onset um, group for three years with Mm -hmm. people, and, um, you know, I was quite surprised then, and that was longer than I care to tell you ago, but um, uh, these days, what we know is that, you know, people are being diagnosed earlier in the process. Much
2: younger sometimes, yeah.
1: And many people um, have uh, the disease earlier than um, we used to know about. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it still remains, you know, more than 50, uh, I think if you're over age 85, you do have a Pretty high chance, fifty fifty chance of developing
2: yeah. Yeah. dementia, mm-hmm.
1: but um, but we're seeing a lot of younger adults. Um, yeah,
2: and what they actually what the science is starting to show is that we we will actually start to have changes in our brain 20 to 30 years prior to the symptoms coming. So you may already have some type of decline in the way your brain is functioning, even if you're not showing those symptoms right now. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, our, our ability to diagnose people has, um, Uh, improve drastically, especially over the last five to 10 years. There's been a lot of scientific advancements there and just um, uh, different approaches to how people are diagnosed. And so Mm -hmm. that's helped physicians, um, be Mm -hmm. able to diagnose people a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And then one thing talking about the early onset, um, a really good thing that we kind of talked about or touched on a moment ago is the adult daycares. It's a really great place for people who have early onset dementia, because those are locations where they can get thoughtful engagement, they can interact with other people in similar situations. And you can also build rapport with other families who are going through the same situation. So you can possibly support create each other your own, and help own each
1: other. support network.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So we've seen an increase in both um, nonprofit um, day programs as well as private. Ex- but often the private yeah. day mm-hmm. programs can be not only less expensive than bringing in private home care, but also um, it's a way of getting the person out and, as you said, being engaged socially.
2: Yeah, and that, that engagement that engagement really is key to um, helping just the person stay active and involved and and ideally hoping to slow some of the changes. Now that's not a guarantee, but more engagement the better.
1: Mhm, so, um so, for people who are so let's talk a little bit more about some of those specific um, things people can do to mitigate um, stress, improve their overall health while they struggle with the caregiving role. So mm-hmm. you mentioned exercise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know, do they have to get on the treadmill 45 minutes a day? I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people don't have
2: time for that. That is not it at all. So if you enjoy getting on the treadmill and running for 45 minutes a day, absolutely do it if that's safe for you to do. But no, the idea for exercise is actually to find things that are enjoyable to you. You know, maybe use it as a self-care tool slash health Tool, You know, so if you enjoy going for walks in the brisk, cool air in the morning, again, go back to that schedule some time into your day, figure out how to maybe you have a next door neighbor who can watch your loved one while you take a 30 minute walk and mm-hmm. that gives you time to be in nature that gives you time to move your body and get that blood flowing and get some, um, you know, energy through your body. It gives you time to kind of just reset and kind of clear your brain a little bit. The key with exercise, though, is to do something or find something that you find enjoyment in doing so that you want to do it more often and you can Mm -hmm. incorporate that into your life. So maybe that's yoga or maybe that's going to a kickboxing class or whatever it is that you enjoy. That's the real important part is figuring out how to, or figuring out what you're passionate about, and then incorporating that into your life.
1: 10 minutes.
2: Yeah. I mean, if that's all you can do, do the 10 minutes. I mean, ideally, you want to do, you know, 30 minutes, four or five times a week. Mm -hmm. But if you can't do that, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just at least try to get up and move 10 to 15 minutes a day doing something you love to do.
1: Well, it's a way to start, I Mm -hmm. suppose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know, um, you know, there's a lot being uh, written about uh, a lot of research happening about music mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the the effect it has on people with dementia. Mm-hmm. And so incorporating something that both impacts your loved one and also, you can enjoy yourself, um, and dance and, and all of that. So
2: absolutely. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, we're going to have to take a break, Mm uh, our first break. We have two breaks this morning and, um, um, I would like to finish up on this before we move on to talking about prevention for those of us who, are concerned about that and um but we'll get the pleasure of talking some more with Nico laurie in just 90 seconds so come back please come back thanks
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi, welcome back. This is Nancy and I'm here with Nika Lori, Certified Health Coach and Behavior Change Specialist. We're talking about caregiving and the impact of caregiving on one's health, particularly when we're dealing with a loved one who has a dementia. Um, you wanted to finish up and suggest a couple other things that people can do who are in that role um, that will help you know, positively impact their overall health.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, two of the other things to really, really consider is quality of sleep. And so oftentimes you'll see um, caregivers from the stress and kind of overwhelm will have either too little sleep or too much sleep. And that can kind of really, it it messes with your system and you'll struggle to kind of have the energy you need throughout the day to have that quality of life and be able to care for your loved one properly. Mm -hmm. So really trying to work out having a healthy sleep, routine is important. One of the apps that I personally love, I have no affiliation with them, I just use them, is um, it's called Sleep Cycle. And it'll actually listen to you as you sleep, and it'll track how well your quality of sleep is and how long you Mm -hmm. sleep. And it's really helped me personally assess um, how well I am sleeping. And it's, it's helped me improve different aspects of my daily routine that have helped change my quality of sleep. And so that's something Thing, the caregiver might be able to implement in their own life uh, using that app to kind of get an idea of wow I'm actually you know even though I'm in bed 10 hours I'm actually only sleeping four hours or six hours and I really need to work on that and maybe change my routine to not have caffeine in the afternoon or turn the tv off for a little bit earlier so I can kind of calm down before I go to sleep so looking at those different kind of things the yes. other thing I really would recommend is just asking for help. I know we touched on this earlier with some of the different respite options, but again, so often I see caregivers avoiding asking for help because they feel like they're failing as a caregiver, they're failing as a partner by needing help from somebody else, but yeah. Caring caring for someone, it's it's like raising a child. It's you need a village. It really does take a village. and so so overcoming those you know uneasy feelings or that pride and asking for help is so, so important.
1: Yes, and um, and often, uh, yeah, the social support piece mm-hmm. is huge. Um, a lot of caregivers feel like other family members and siblings are not there to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but often they are not specific in what they um, need help with. Absolutely. And it can be, again, it can be that one hour a week mm-hmm. um, from each sibling. Um, and if the siblings aren't available or not willing, then you turn to the organizations, right? The uh, The state associations, the Parkinson's, the MS, Park- Parkinsonian dementia is... Mm-hmm significant, Um, and Alzheimer's Association. Different associations have programs for support. Mm -hmm. Um, Finding places to vent Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. people aren't trying to fix um, or change how you're feeling, just simply able to listen. And again, I go back to those Facebook groups, put in uh, caregiving and dementia in your search. You'll find you'll find a group there for you Mm -hmm. to share with. Um, There are a lot of aspects of what these caregivers are struggling with, Um, you know, difficult behaviors, understanding the disease. Mm -hmm. Um, We have shows coming up, future shows, where we're going to specifically address difficult behaviors with dementia. We're going to address, um, for those that are questioning, is it normal? you know, what's normal aging, what's dementia. We're going to be talking with a neurologist about that. Um, We'll have a show on social social isolation, how it's impacting our seniors and some solutions through thoughtful engagement programs. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of stuff coming up and I urge people, the more you understand and know about the disease and managing the disease, I think the, the less stress um, is upon you. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, of course, can add that if you go to the aginglifenetwork.com website, there are um, live professionals that mm-hmm. you can contact when you're, um, when you're overwhelmed by the emotions and needing some clarity and understanding there are people you can call, so yeah. What else do you want to add to that? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you touched on the education piece because I think, you know, like they say, knowledge is power. And the more you learn to understand, uh, you know, what you guys are going to face as a family and as a caregiver and and the individual who may be facing the disease, you know, what the progress is going to look like, what those changes are going to be. And now keep in mind, it's, it's unique and different for each individual, but mm-hmm. you can have kind of a general understanding of what to prepare for. And being prepared is one of the best things that you can do because you're able to hopefully prevent some crises from happening. And then when crises do arise, you have a lot more knowledge. So you're able to make those decisions a little bit less um, or a little bit easier without that anxiety. And so it's it's really important to get educated on, on the disease and what's available to you.
1: Right. Yes, and and studies have shown repeatedly that the more you understand, or the more training you have around your caregiving role and and what to expect and and how to do what you're doing, the the less stressful Absolutely. the task becomes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, oh gosh, I, so I lost my train of thought for a moment, which is always <laughs> scary for me, which makes me want to turn to the prevention. Yeah. topic. Yeah. Um, because I am entering that that age cohort. Um, so, for those listeners who are either caregivers, we all know that caregivers are not caregivers. If you have a family member who has been diagnosed or you have lived through and grieved the horrendous you know, multi-year process of living with someone you love, that has the disease, there's always in the back of your mind a concern that it it's genetic. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for me? Um, and you know, how do is there a way to prevent this thing? And even for those of us who um, had other types of challenges with our loved ones and and it was not. A dementia um you know we we know those of us who understand the world of alzheimer's and dementia know that it's it's increasing in its prevalence you know yeah. it's the mm-hmm. third laura it's the third cause of death in this country but unlike the other chronic diseases um heart disease and stroke, unlike those which are going down mm-hmm. in terms of percentages of the population, Alzheimer's is on the rise.
2: Correct. Yes. And
1: so it is something that um, as we age, all of us need to be concerned about.
2: Yeah. The other thing to think about in that sense is that with cancer and heart disease, there's also some treatments and known preventions or known cures for those diseases, where right now with Alzheimer's disease, there is no prevention, cure, or treatment. There Mm -hmm. has been quite a bit of research around prevention. I mean, there's been research around treatments, cures as well, but as of late, most of the research is now moving towards prevention of the disease. And a lot of that circles around lifestyle habits and changing how we are living, especially here in the United States, because Americans don't tend to have the healthiest lifestyle. Um, you know, that's not a blanketed statement, but in general, we tend Mm -hmm. to eat a lot of, um, highly processed foods. We tend to live more sedentary lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't have the same, um, social engagement that a lot of all other cultures have you look at places like the the famous blue zones now where people are living well into their hundreds um i say well i mean 105 107 those kind of things but living Mm -hmm. into their hundreds with um you know much less chronic disease they're 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 highly functioning into their hundreds and so when you look at those um aspects of those cultures you see that they tend to eat really clean diets they tend to have physical exercise every day um, throughout all of their years so even in their um, 80s 90s and 100s you see that they have a lot of social engagement so there many of those cultures are either religious and so they have um, group sessions at churches or they have um, community lunches and different activities they also tend to live in a more Um, kind of tribal community in in the sense of the family stays close and they stay engaged with each other and they support each other. So looking at those kind of things, there's a lot of things that we can do to improve our lives as well. Kind of take take the tools that they've shown us that are working and implement those things into our lives as well.
1: Right. Yes. I mean, for those skeptics out there, you know, we're we're aging, um, we're living longer. Mm-hmm. We're living longer because, uh, but we have chronic conditions we're living with. Right. And, uh, you know, modern healthcare and, you know, drug providers are um, certainly benefiting from the treatment around those chronic issues. But like mm-hmm. you said, there is no treatment for mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Now, a lot of folks believe that um, some of the medications that uh, people with a dementia are given. And of course, it depends on the type of dementia. And so that's why it's really important to, um, to try and get um, some kind of potential diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, a vascular dementia, you're going to, um, you're going to be treating blood pressure very closely and, Probably not looking at some of the same medications that you would with, um, with um, Alzheimer's. But um, at any rate, sometimes people believe, well, I can do an Ariceptaminda, uh, you know, different medications. Um, I had, I think, um, a sister of an elderly man recently say, well, I know he's not well, but maybe they've started giving him medication. Mm-hmm. Well there is, you know that medication theoretically is there to and in some cases is helpful in keeping people from progressing as quickly but nonetheless, there will be a progression.
2: Yeah. So so the the medications can be really beneficial in um, mitigating some of the behavior issues that come with dementia. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ericep and amenda, they, they are not going to slow the progression of the disease. What they do is help with those behavior changes and help ideally keep some of those patients on those medications a little bit more clear headed um, really? for a longer okay. period of time. But the disease itself is still progressing, even on those medications. Um, mm-hmm. The medication does not actually slow the progression of the disease. Oh, I, yeah. Maybe
1: I have some old information because yeah. that is what, that is how I was trained. Um, Okay, well, um, so prevention, Um, where are things at? So, you know, what people now talk about is that the brain is its own organ. We've never really thought of the brain as its own organ. Yes. That um, like the other organs, it has to be tended to. It Mm -hmm. needs to be nourished. It needs to be... Um, you know, brain health is a is a buzz term, um, an area of uh, research and study, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so um, you know we we also people sometimes hear the term, although it's been changed in the DSM, the psychological book of diagnoses, um, but we hear the term mild cognitive impairment, mm-hmm. which is now called, I don't know minor neurocognitive impairment. Anyway, mild cognitive impairment. And unless the research has changed, my understanding is a third of those um, diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment can experience a full reversal of that impairment through um, lifestyle change.
2: Yeah, so it really depends on the individual. Now, not all um, MCI can be reversed. Uh, reverse. There have been situations where people were on too many medications and you, you know, look at that medication you change those or remove some of those per doctor's orders. And you've seen people be able to... Um, Be less foggy, be more clear, make um, better, uh, clear decisions. You've also seen people who change their diet habits um, and have more exercise and lifestyle habits change those and start to feel a little bit better, less foggy. And that's pretty common. It really just depends on the type of change that's going on in the brain but it's always worth talking to your physician about the medications you're on. And it's always worth improving your lifestyle habits. That's good for anybody at any time. Um, So yeah. yeah.
1: I've just started reading a book called the end Alzheimer's program. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, the first protocol to enhance cognition and reverse decline. It's um, written by, um, Dale, it's a physician, MD Dale E. Brett Bredesen, B-R-E-D-E-S-E-N, and he is talking about a lot of the things that you're talking about, and he adds, you know, a lot of scientific information for people that are interested. But, um, but yeah, there are more and more um, Western medicine docs as well as. Um, um, others, integrative medicine folks, who are looking at, you know, how how the rest of the body and the rest of your life and your lifestyle, the environment you're living in, how all of that impacts memory, um, cognition, focus, attention.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big believer in functional medicine and the approach of functional medicine is looking at your body as a full system. You know, it's, it's one system Mm -hmm. that all works together. And so, you know, things that might affect your heart will also affect your brain and so on. And so looking at the full picture and looking Mm -hmm. at um, the cause opposed to treating the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really important to kind of understand that there are different changes you can make in your life that will improve all aspects.
1: Great. Well, I would like to hear more about those changes. Um, And, uh, but we are going to have to take another break Uh, before I go. Let me, um, but stay with us, Nika. We'll come back. I'm here. Um, And until we come back, let me just say, um, or until we go to break. Let me make a plug for aginglifenetwork.com. It is a, a website offering a multitude of resources. We have um, articles, webinars, um, you know, all of my shows are, and all of my podcasts are on there. Um, I've interviewed many, many experts over the last few years. So you get to hear that. Um, I also have, there is, we have a... Um, national group of life care professionals who are experts in the world of aging and the many aspects of it. Folks, you can call and we have, you know, there are packages for you and all of that. So um, enough about that. Sorry, guys. Um, We're going to go to break. 90 seconds. We'll be right back. Thank you very much.
2: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now back to the program.
1: Hi, thank you for sticking with us. I am here with Nico Laurie. I did want to say um, before I forget that you can find more information um, from uh, on Nika's website, which is Nika Lori, L-A-W-R-I-E, Nika, N-I-K-A, com. She also has her own podcast um, called Mind Body Music, and yeah. she as well interviews experts in the area of Hel- healthy, health
2: and wellness. Yeah. Health and
1: wellness, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I encourage you to, to check out Nika's um, resources. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more a little bit more about I I, I basically over the break said okay I want to hear the health coach I mm-hmm. want to hear um, what it is we can do that um, you know brings such positive. Good health into our lives that we can avoid, that we can age well. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the the goal of boomers, and I, I realize we probably have younger folks as well, like yourself, Mika. Um, but you know, the goal of people as they age really is to um, is to stay as active and healthy, As possible until the very last days of life,
2: right? Definitely, Um,
1: and to um, you know, to enjoy, to bring Mm -hmm. joy, to to have fun, Uh, and so um, yeah. So go. Yeah,
2: it. so so some. Of the, <laughs> I, I would say the biggest thing somebody can do right now is to uh, remove highly processed foods from their lifestyle. And so I'm actually not a big proponent for depriving yourself, but instead crowding out the bad stuff with good stuff. So you bring in good quality food, um, ideally organic vegetables, if you can do it, if not just get normal vegetables from the grocery store. Figure out how to cook at home. Um, there are amazing recipes and cooking shows free on YouTube that you can access. There's tons of healthy eating cookbooks out there. Um, get into cooking. Get into you know that that joy of bringing yummy quality food into your life and crowd out some of that processed food. So things like um, you know. Uh, cookies that never seem to perish in the, in the cookie t- boxes that we buy or going quickly through the fast food restaurant or drive-through because we didn't prepare lunch or hadn't had things ready ahead of time. Um, again, it, it, I, I talked about having a routine or a schedule before. One of the things that you can do to help um, mitigate the issue of it takes too long to cook, it's too much time, it's too much effort, is block out some chunks of time where that's what you do is you cook meals and you meal prep. So one thing I do is I cook on Sundays and I cook on Wednesdays and I make um, a big meal and then I uh, portion that out into a couple smaller meals so that on uh, Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, Friday, I have um, extra meals that are already prepared and ready so I can just grab and go. I don't even have to think about eating. It's just ready. Um, So that can help kind of um, help you stay on track and stay healthy. The other thing is, you know, on Saturdays, I'll eat at a restaurant or, um, you know, with COVID, we haven't been to restaurants, but we'll order take home food and and eat it at home. So it's not completely depriving yourself is just changing some of those habits changing you know so you look at eating you know like an 80 20 kind of situation where 80% is whole healthy clean foods in your life and 20% mm-hmm. are the foods that are just fun and maybe junk food but you know ideally the cleaner versions of junk food but you mm-hmm. know you, you really try to kind of balance that out um Another thing to really consider when it, when you're looking at prevention specifically with Alzheimer's disease is there's been a lot of research around the Mediterranean diet and um, the benefits of the Mediterranean diet really supporting mm-hmm. um, uh, or avoiding mild cognitive decline. And so mm-hmm. part of the things that come from Mediterranean diet is that it's really clean, healthy vegetables there is still meat, but they're smaller portions than we're used to here in the United States. So nice. maybe like the size of the palm of your hand is a good yes. size for a piece of meat, um, you know, but then you maybe want two palms um, for the vegetables on your plate. You can add in pasta, you know, um, pasta and simple carbohydrates are are still a big part of the Mediterranean diet, but they tend to be less um, processed. They A lot of times those pastas are made in the home and they're not as um they're not bleached with different chemicals and deodorized and all kinds of different things that we do to the products here so really trying to look for the so the fresh
1: pastas yeah
2: the fresh cleaner options (laughs) Mm -hmm. um one of the biggest, biggest takeaways from the Mediterranean diet is extra virgin olive oil. Having clean, healthy oils in your life—I um, mean, I—I I would say dump olive oil on everything you possibly can. Put it on your salads. Put it—you know—mix it into a smoothie if you want to. It might be a little funky, but you know, incorporating that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you look mm-hmm. at um, extra virgin olive oil, you really want to get extra voltage vir- well, Extra virgin and um, um, uh, I'm drawing the blank. Um, Organic. No. Organic is great, but um, cold pressed as well, and so um, <laughs> uh, it's just a higher quality option for olive oil. So, so incorporating those clean oils into your life. A couple other clean oils would be um, avocado oil or coconut oil if you're interested in that. Um, some of the issues that we're seeing with other oils, so uh, vegetable for Vegetable oil, for example, tends to be um, a dumping ground for kind of all types of oils that are kind of left over. And then those oils are also, they're bleached, they have chemical, they've been through chemical processing, and they have... they've been deodorized and that can cause a lot of, um, degradation to the oil. So you don't have as much nutrients. You don't necessarily know what type of oil you're getting. So it's a good idea to try to kind of avoid those things if possible.
1: So, Um, so Googling the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. mm -hmm.
2: Mediterranean diet is a really, really great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing, if you want to just kind of start doing real simple steps, is try to cut down on some of the simple carbohydrates in your life. Now, you don't want to cut out carbohydrates like vegetables and fruits. Those are always quality, and you really want to have as much of that as possible in your life. But trying to mitigate some of those um, carbs that we have every day. So instead of having bread with every meal or having a big bowl of pasta three times a week, maybe just do it once a week. Or
1: even rice, white rice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's debate on rice and white versus brown and those kind of things. So it's mm-hmm. still kind of you know the the research is still kind of out there. Um, again, it's not about totally cutting it out of your life or depriving it, but it is about um, having it as a special occasion or you know trying to lessen the amount that have you have in your life. One reason that you want to do that is because simple carbohydrates will. Um, uh,
1: spike your insulin exactly mm-hmm.
2: yeah and there there's there's a lot of research coming out now that that's calling alzheimer's disease um diabetes type 3 or type 3 diabetes yeah. and so you know so there's a lot of research that's um connecting the two types of diseases and and right yeah and inflammation brain exactly. inflammation
1: is yes. what's Right, because, um, you know, there was a study in Cal- Southern California, I think UCLA, they did a study called the 90-plus study, mm-hmm. and um, and they asked people to volunteer to, do- to donate their brains uh, mm-hmm. for autopsy. Mm-hmm. And what they found was, um, you know, we always believed the plaques and tangles were the cause of Alzheimer's, and what they found was half of the people who – um, who had plaques and tangles um, observed in the brain were um, uh, were people that had absolutely no symptoms of Alzheimer's. Yeah. And so it kind of blew up that whole line of thinking, and everything has shifted. I mean, drug therapies have shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're moving more toward what you're talking about, looking at the biochemistry of what's going on in the rest of the body Mm -hmm. and how it's impacting the brain
2: yeah there was a similar study to that called the nun study a couple years ago as well yeah they saw the same thing that these nuns um they all lived in the same environment ate the same food had very similar activities Mm -hmm. some of them got dementia Mm -hmm. and some of them did not um and then um they looked at they the nuns donated their brains and looked at them same things. Even the nuns that did not show signs of dementia still had um, a plaque and tangles. And so, what, yeah. What
1: I liked about that study was that the people who, in their younger life, because they followed them throughout their life, the people who were, I would say, quote happier people, mm-hmm. had a more positive outlook mm-hmm. toward the world and toward life were less likely to develop a dementia. I yeah. loved that piece of that study. Um, yeah, the, the other thing about all of these studies is um, that, um, you know, a lot of people believe if I do brain games, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to help me. And um, what we're learning is that it needs to be something very different than what you're Correct. used to doing. You know, I, I like Sudoku. I do it... Um, often at night, um, it helps my mind relax and yet that is not a brain exercise because it's the same thing day in and day out. And so learning a new language would be more beneficial.
2: Yeah. Or we, you uh, know, one of the examples we used to use is learning to ballroom dance because it takes a lot of, it's physical activity, but it also takes a lot of coordination and um, Uh thought process, um, to, you know, get all the steps correctly. And so, yeah, the, the, Better thing to do is to learn a new skill or learn about a new topic.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So moving the body, um, mm-hmm. same, same benefit, yes. Uh-
2: Yeah. So it goes back to, you know, the body's a system. So, you know, what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. And so, you know, we keep hitting on the same couple of things. It's moving your body, doing some type of exercise, you know, eating healthy, removing those, those processed ingredients, the fast food, the processed foods. Um, And then I want to add in again and just drive it home. It really is about sleep as well, because your sleep gives your brain time to kind of clean out all those toxins and and um right. dirt for lack so of a better those, word to so
1: for those heavy snorers they really do need to get a sleep study in.
2: Correct. And yeah look at doing yes, CPAP and all of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Um so we have a couple minutes left. Um in terms of the world of understanding this disease and prevention, um what what can you what final thoughts can you offer us on either?
2: I think the biggest thing is just to start small. I mean, if you are going to try to, turn your whole life over, you're going to get overwhelmed and scared and probably not take the next step. But if you can break it up into small little steps and start making those changes, they will build on each other and it becomes like a snowball because you, you know, got more sleep. You're like, Oh, I want to drink a little bit more water too. And then you're like, Oh, I started drinking this water. I should eat some healthy food to go with the water. And then, you know, and so mm-hmm. it really does have this kind of ripple effect that starts to grow. And so the key really is to start small steps do those little baby steps mm-hmm. and and celebrate your wins. Celebrate the positive little things that you have or that you've done in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm.
1: Very good. And we can hear more from Nika on her podcast, Mind, Body, Music. Is that yes. uh, found on all the platforms? All the
2: platforms and a new episode's released every Thursday.
1: Oh, okay. Day after me. And here at... Um, Aging Life Network. Uh, we're here each Wednesday at 11 Mountain Standard Time, 1 p.m. Um, Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. I have several very exciting um, shows coming up. A couple of them are related to what we've been talking about today. Uh, we'll be looking at the power of music. Um, we're going to be talking about, you know, normal aging versus. Versus, um, you know, is it a dementia? I hear that often from caregivers. Um, And then good communication skills, developing ways to communicate and manage the behaviors of those um, living with dementia. And then we need to talk about, we'll be talking about in the future, um, some financial issues, paying for long-term care. What's out there? Um, what, what are VA benefits? I, I have uh, an expert in that area coming to visit with us. So we have a lot coming up and I appreciate all of you joining us. Thank you so much, Nicolori. Um, Thank you for having me. I, I love the work that you're doing and appreciate you every day. Thank and you. Um, right back at you. Yeah. So have a great week. Folks, um, check us out, voiceamerica.com, aginglifenetwork.com, or on your favorite podcast Um, after this show will be on demand and available. Thanks so much. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. We can't wait to talk again.